Good morning. Welcome. I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, we have a special approach to what we're doing today. You might have guessed that by looking at all the chairs behind me. Let, me. let me preface it by telling you this much. In case you're new with us, or even if you are not, we need to be reminded sometimes of things we already know. But God has given us some directives in Scripture that should dictate how we live life. Uh, some of the last words he spoke on this earth, Jesus, when he was on this earth before he went back into heaven, are found in Matthew 28 when he said, go into all, all nations and baptize them. He talked about, it's called the Great Commission. And when he went uh, into heaven, he told us to go into the world and to make a difference in the lives of other people's, in, in other people's lives. And um, when he was asked prior to that in Matthew 22, uh, he was asked what, it was actually by somebody wanting to trap him and find something to use against him. You know, those in power in the religious world did not like him at that point. They asked him, a, a Pharisee asked him, what's the most important law? What's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all you've got. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. He said, in fact, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. In other words... You get these two things right, and everything else will probably kind of fall in line behind that in a beautiful way. So with those two passages in mind, we as a, as a leadership, as a whole church, have said our vision, our focus is to love God. We're all about loving God, loving people, and changing lives. We put it on the walls. We put it on our website in various places. And we do those things in three ways, through missions, discipleship, and community. And we have in 2018 focused a lot on, on discipleship. And in 2019, now that we're into that, we will talk more next week about community and how that works and what that looks like. We'll even have a theme for the week or for the year that we'll talk about next week. But, um, but we also constantly want to talk about missions. Again, we're all about loving God, loving people, and changing lives through missions, discipleship, and community. And when it comes to missions, we want to understand, we want everybody to understand that does not just mean a trip to somewhere overseas, maybe Thailand or even Mexico, you know, our, our border. Um, but it can mean that, of course, but it can also mean the trip to Safeway or a trip across the cul-de-sac or, you know, something along that line. So I want to encourage you to always keep that in mind, but today... I want to introduce to you um, two different teams and let you hear from two different teams of people that have gone and uh, actually put these things in motion and gone to other countries. Starting with a team of, we had 20 people over Thanksgiving. Now check this out. Normally, Thanksgiving's a lot of fun because we enjoy eating a lot of turkey and watching some football and hanging out with family and, you know, having a day or two or three off from work and that kind of stuff. Well, there were 20 of our people that left and said, you know what, I'll give up the week and not only will I not enjoy those kind of things, I will sleep on a cement floor and I will struggle to get a shower and I will work really hard and sweat a lot and get all filthy dirty and donate uh, about $600 per person to help collectively give away um, a house to a family in Mexico that was in great need. 
And so they spent Thanksgiving down there doing this incredible ministry. And I want to take our time, uh, at least 10 or 12, 15 minutes here to talk with them. So if you went on that trip, will you come up here and join me? Come on, and everybody else, welcome them. Tell them thank you for what they did. Come on, where are y'all at? Where's the rest? Are the rest of them all gone? I see the Gallant family. Are, are the rest of them all gone? Okay, I thought that, I knew several were going to be gone. Well, all right, we're just going to sit right here together. Let me give you guys a mic. And uh, pick, a chair, any chair. pick a chair, any chair. Have a mic, any mic. <laughs> Here's another one. One for the girls to share. Uh, all right, the rest of our team really isn't here, huh? All right, well, that's okay. Um, Mike and Holly Galvin are incredible. We'll have some pictures um, behind us that we can comment on in a minute, but Brian and Mandy both wanted to share a thought anyway. Um, so let me set it up by telling you this much. That is a picture of Tony and Fatima there in the middle, and to the left as you're looking at it are their three children. Tony Jr. is the tall one, and then Harrison, who is, I'm not sure how old, what is he, maybe, do you guys know? 13, 14, somewhere in there. And then uh, Giselle, who is a little bit younger than that. And uh, then, as you can see, to there, in our, from our perspective, on the right side of the picture, that's Mike and Holly Galvin. Mike leads our mission team, does a great job with that, and their two children as well, Ben and, and um, um, Grace, yeah. And, uh, and they do a great job leading that team. And so these guys, as a family, along with a whole bunch of others that are all not here today, I think some of them are actually going to be your second service, so, but uh, went down to Mexico. So... Let the pictures go ahead and scroll, and you'll see what they did, because they spent time not only building a house, as you see, but with what we just talked about, they spent time with Tony and Fatima and helped them, who do an incredible ministry. We took down, how many, what did we take? About, I forget now, 1,200 pounds or something like that of, of food to give to them that we as a church put together, and we gave it to them to then distribute, to use as an evangelistic tool to share with those in their community, the gospel. It was an incredible thing. So, um, Brian, how about you kick it off? I know you had something you were going to share, maybe a, uh, a thought or an experience or something that you, a highlight maybe of what happened while you were there. Sure. Um, so this was our, our second time going. We went down two years ago um, with just Sierra, our oldest daughter. And, uh, man, just what an eye-opening experience for us to see that and realize what we really have to be grateful for. So here we come two years later, and we're able to bring our youngest daughter with us. So we went as a whole family. And I think that was probably the, the biggest moment that I remember is just us being able to um, let our daughters see truly what they had to be thankful for. I remember at one time I was inside the house doing, I think, drywall or something like that. I look out through the window of the house, and I see Riley out there doing stucco, and it just, like, hit me like, wow, this is pretty cool. We're building this as a family. Um, but as far as... Um, other moments that, that really hit me, the biggest one was during, and I think Mike Galvin mentioned this in a service before, but was on um, Thanksgiving Day, we actually, there was 20 of us in there and then his whole family, and we got to go around in a circle and say what we're all thankful for, and just to hear his, his youngest son um, who broke down, um, his wife who broke down, I was in tears several times um, just to hear what they've got to experience and how they've got to grow due to the help from our church and, uh, and they're able to help their people around them as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, girls talk about it if you would, and we'll hear mom in a minute, but, um, I'm curious from either of your perspectives, what you thought about it. Sierra, this was your second time to go. So how did it compare to the first time? 
a different family, so they had a bigger family, and it was, they were older girls, so I could connect to them more than I could with the other kids. Okay. So it was fun to do that this time. Do you remember names of this family that you gave the house to? No. They're, they're kind of hard to pronounce usually, so harder to remember. But um, um, well, what do you know? It was um, uh, a mom and a dad, and how many children? Five kids. They had three girls and two boys. Okay. And the way that usually works is, um, so we, uh, or any other church could do the same thing, say, hey, Casas Por Cristo, that's the name of the organization, we want to come as a church and build a house for somebody that's a well-oiled machine that they have all set up to do that. And so then the way they pick who gets to receive the house, because there's a long line of people that would love to receive a house, the house that you see right there that is built is, Brian, how big is it? Do you remember? Uh, Hold your mic up. I want to say, was it 400 maybe? 400 square feet? Yeah. Yeah, so, so pretty small. So two bedrooms and then a main bedroom. So if you split that house into threes, that was kind of what it came down to. Three total rooms, a kind of an all-purpose room and then two very small bedrooms. So no bathroom, no bathroom, no kitchen, no anything else. Um, that's it. But anyway, it's still a huge upgrade over what they are generally living in. I've been part of these trips 15 or 20 times now, and we have literally replaced cardboard shacks with a house like this. So, I mean, massive upgrade. Uh, dirt floors sometimes, uh, cardboard with like wood pallets and some nails and bottle caps to be the washers to hold the cardboard to the pallets. And, you know, again, a dirt floor, no electricity, no water, all that. And Mexico is, you know, obviously warmer than where we're at, but it still gets cold in the winter. Once in a while, rarely, but once in a while it even snows there. So imagine having to basically be in a tent uh, and, of course, then in the summer, it becomes like an oven to be in a place like that when it's, you know, 110 or 20 degrees and often very windy and dust storms are, are common. So a very rough environment. And for us to replace one of these is a beautiful thing that they, are, they appreciate more than we can really explain to you what, what it's like. When you hand them the keys and the, the project is done, they just melt. I've, sometimes I've seen people even drop to their knees because they're just so filled with gratitude. They don't know what to say. They're just overwhelmed with thankfulness. And, um, and so anyway, the way Casas Por Cristo allows a church like this in this moment to pick who we're going to build the house for is they work through a missionary that is there, or a pastor actually usually, that is local there in Juarez, and say, hey, pastor, you tell us, who do you think is on the cusp of coming to know Jesus, or maybe somebody who has just accepted the Lord and is in this dire strait, who would this house best benefit? And the pastor then um, uh, has that burden. It's, I mean, that'd be intimidating and difficult to pick out of all these people that are in need and say, you. I'm sorry, not any of the rest of you, you, you know, but that's what they do. And, and so the more times we can go, the more families like this we get to help. And it is an incredible and beautiful opportunity. Um, Mandy, tell us something that you saw or experienced that was a highlight maybe for you. Um, I got to experience everything from meeting and getting to know people from this church a little bit more. Um, it's sad to me that I have to drive to Mexico to get to know them better when they're sitting right here next to me, but um, that was a great experience. Um, but uh, being with a different family this time around um, and having all of the kids with us, it was really cool to kind of look over and see, you know, kids from whatever background 
playing with each other and writing on those scrap pieces of wood that we had in Spanish and in English. So just trading internal stories that, you know, they can't communicate together, but still they were having the greatest time of their life. Um, and Gigi was with us and she brought games and toys. So it was just a great experience for the kids. Um, and Mike shared last two weeks ago um, about our time sitting around the table being thankful. Um, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving there. Um, so it was very, very impactful to hear them uh, express what they were thankful for. And ironically, it was really difficult to come across the border back into the United States on Thanksgiving Day and see people fighting over materialistic things and Walmart um, when we just came from a country and a family that had absolutely nothing. So just the different perspectives um, and the way we think and the way other countries think and people think. Um, so it was really eye-opening for that. That is, that is an interesting perspective. Did you guys all see that? I mean, or kind of, did that hit everybody? Like, wow. I mean, yeah, to, to be over there and see people that have so little and then to cross the border and see people here in our country fighting in line to, you know, to get the good deal on XYZ electronic device or whatever at Walmart. Or, yeah, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Um, one of you, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say, if you, if you want to get humbled in soccer, go to Mexico. So <laughs> we were all playing out there on this soccer field right in the middle of town um, from the church, and all of a sudden we invited some young kids to join us, and it was like I wasn't even there. They would just go around me with that ball, and as, <laughs> as hard as I tried, they were awesome. And so was Tony and his son, Tony Jr., were just amazing at soccer. So it was, it was fun to do that. You know, one of the coolest things I saw last time we went, we went over Christmas, actually, uh, last, last year. And, um, and Tony, who is, I don't know, he's probably 45 years old, give or take, something like that. And uh, he played soccer and was sweating and all that. But he's skilled at it, but he's getting in, up there enough that he doesn't run around as quickly as all the other kids. But he kept doing that, and I thought, wow, he's really into this. He loves soccer a lot. But then I realized at the end of the soccer game, soccer was just simply a means to an end. He likes soccer, but that wasn't why he was willing to sweat and run around like that. He did that so as to score points, I guess you could say, with all the children, because they were a whole bunch of kids from the neighborhood that didn't know him, don't know the Lord, and they just, you know, when a soccer game breaks out, they come out of the woodwork, and they're all playing. And so after he played and kind of earned some opportunity to say something to them, he said, okay, now that we're done with soccer, I know enough Spanish to kind of hear what he was saying. He goes, now I want you to all come up here, sit down on the wall here, and we're going to talk about Jesus. And that's what he did. And he shared the gospel with them. And at first, several of them were kind of like, oh, gosh, what did I get into? Rolling their eyes and all that. But after a little while, the way, he, the way God speaks through him is just incredible. There's so much to learn from a guy like him in terms of compassion, but also boldness. And his willingness to just share and talk to these kids. And that day when I watched that happen, he continued to share these, um, these ideas and passages of Scripture and how much Jesus loves them. And you guys don't know. but and some of, I know you and I know you. I don't know you other kids. But as he talked to them about some of their experiences, um, he had an invitation time. And at the end of that, he said, do, so do any of you want to give your life to Jesus right here, right now? And two of the boys that had been rolling their eyes had gotten more attentive. And by the time he asked that, they stood up and tears started flowing down their face. And they came up and Tony spent time talking to them some more. We prayed over them as a group. He talked to them later. And the next day I was asking him about that. And he said, yeah, I found out that 
I don't remember his name, Miguel or Carlos, I forget, was one of those boys and his dad had just been killed the week before. Um, that thing, that kind of thing happens frequently with drug problems and, you know, uh, lawlessness and bad decisions and things like that. Anyway, it was an incredible moment to watch him. And I, as a pastor, tend to think that I'm fairly bold. And then I watch Tony and I'm like, oh my word, I am a wimp when it comes to being assertive and and, and just the letting the Lord work through me like that. It, it's a beautiful thing to watch them. Um, is there anything else about either Tony and Fatima or maybe the family or the, the building project that any of you would maybe go, you know, something that everybody would benefit from hearing would be? Well, I'd say one thing is that Casas Por Cristo, they have building that house down to a science. Um, I think for the um, siding that we use, there is a piece about that big that we did not use on the entire house. The forms, the two-by-fours that get put in for the forms for the concrete get pulled out later and get put into the house. So they have it down to a science to use every bit of material as they can and not waste anything, which is really neat to see as opposed to construction sites you'll see around here and stuff. So, Which is why we were able to, I think it's, uh, let's see, I don't know, do the math in your head. You're probably good at this. Uh, Fifteen people times $600, so whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> Is it nine thousand dollars? Isn't that right? I think, it was, I think the cost, their cost on materials, is around six to seven thousand. Okay. And then, then they have that extra money for the guy and everything else that's doing it. So. Okay. So, so think about it. To build a, a, a nicer than a typical tough shed, but uh, you know, it's still very simple. But a livable house for six or seven thousand dollars—that's pretty cool. And so Casas Por Cristo does a great job with that, and it's an honor to get to do that. Mike Galvin, our mission uh, leader, has done that now. I asked him again just recently, and he said he can't remember, but he thinks about 30 houses. So he's done it many, many times. This was the first time for some, in, including you and um, several others on the trip, but others like the th other three of you here have done it before. Um, you mentioned Gigi, who is Gwen Collins, for those who don't know. Gigi stands for Grandma Gwen. She's an amazing lady. Some of you know her. Many of you do. Many of you don't. But um, uh, would you talk just briefly, Mandy, about, uh, let me say this. I had to talk Gwen into going. She kind of felt drawn to want to, but then she was started waffling like, no, I'm probably too old. I can't, I'm not going to be helpful. Nah. And I had to really kind of twist her arm a little bit, and I know she loved it. She's going to be here second service, I think. But anyway, talk about um, that for the sake of others. When we plan a trip down the road, maybe somebody who's retirement age who goes, nah, that's a young person thing. T talk about how you saw Gwen or how you think that it can be beneficial to families too, but especially older people like that. Okay, I'm not um, putting words in Gigi's mouth. Okay. Or any older person for that matter. Um, but I think mission trips, um, no matter where they are, whether they be across the ocean or right here in you know, our own neighborhood or our schools, it doesn't really matter how old you are. Um, God put you here for a reason. It could be to touch other people or it could be to go to help children um, that we had. Uh, it could be go to play with the children that are in the neighborhood, um, such as Gigi did. She brought bubbles and sand toys and she brought all kinds of stuff. And I remember having a discussion with her at one point, you know, everybody's busy hammering and nailing and cutting and whatever. And she's sitting on the plywood over here and I was like, how's it going? You know, and she says, well, I don't, I don't feel that I'm um, contributing to this trip. And I said, 
you have no idea how you are contributing to these little kids over here that don't have an older person in their life that gets down and probably plays with them. Um, but you've done amazing things with us. You've you know, contributed to our own children on this trip, conversations that you've had on this trip. So everything that you do has an impact somewhere. So all that to say, when we plan future trips, possibly at spring break this year, that's still in the works, or maybe again at next Thanksgiving, we want to encourage others of you to go. It would be my goal, uh, best case scenario, would be to see everybody in our church family go at least once on such a trip, something like this, or something even on a larger scale, longer and further and more expensive and all of that, to Thailand, which is where I want us to go now. So first of all, will you tell the Gallant family thank you for coming up here? And Thailand people, come on up. Thank you, guys. Come on up, Thailand people. I know they're all in the house. Now, they were a smaller group. Um, there were seven, is that right? Did I say that right? Seven people that went to Thailand. Obviously, a much more involved trip, a, a long flight. Uh, Trevor, how many, how many hours did it take to get to Thailand? It took 14 hours. Turn... What? It took 14 hours to... Nope, mom says longer. That was the longest one. Uh, okay. <laughs> now let me hand these mics over here. Here. Okay. So, so roughly how many hours? Uh, too long. <laughs> All right, well, hold those mics up high. And, and oh, there are Eric and Becky. I didn't know they were in the house. Come on over here. So um, Becky just is starting a new fad with a cool look to the pant leg. I don't know if you've noticed that, but she's trying to get that rolling. So. And Victoria is as well. Hers is more camouflaged. But, uh, <laughs> in case you could, he said Thailand doesn't look to be safe, as you can see. But actually, were both injuries suffered while in Thailand? I mean, yours was, and yours was too, that's right. Yeah, they were both so, in short, you had an incident with a truck running into you, right? A truck rolled into my leg and pinned me against a fence. Yeah, that's, and it could have been much, much worse. Um, it did have some pretty serious damage to the leg, but it could have been much worse. And Victoria, what was your situation? I slipped and fell. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Okay, well, we have, uh, we have about 15 minutes. Let's talk through some things here. We have an outline. Becky, why don't we start with you? Tell us about, for those who don't know, maybe give a brief summarization of how this works, but the child development classes, and how did the women respond to, the, to, to those classes, and uh, maybe give us an example of relationships getting deeper with God through some of these kinds of things. Okay. Uh, so we, our original plan was to teach uh, child development, like zero to five years, to the women who had come out of exploitation, to the staff, and to anyone else who wanted to hear that. And uh, at first, you don't know if they were, you know, they're uh, listening or interested, but what was amazing is when it came to question time, they would talk to us for two hours about questions, how to raise their children, what do I do about this, I don't think my child loves me. And so over the two weeks, we um, developed quite a deep relationship with the women. And uh, then we were invited to teach a workshop to the community. And these are parents of the children that come to the uh, preschool. 
and they were interested in child development. So then we got to share about child development and the gospel. We, um, Danielle, Victoria, and I each gave our testimony on how we came to Christ, and most of these families were Buddhists. So it was an opportunity to give them really great information and the best information out there. Um, and then we were also invited to do that at the church. So we were just overwhelmed by the response of the women, the staff, the people at the church, the people at the community that were so desperate for that kind of information. And then also to bring our story and how we came to Christ, which made it even deeper. In, in case we have people that don't know anything about the history, this, this will not be a thorough explanation. But let me give you this backdrop. Um, Eric and Becky sold most of what they had, and they listened to the Holy Spirit when God laid on their hearts to go to, to Thailand and to get involved in working with uh, mostly young ladies that are in the middle of uh, sex trade industry, and, and it's a terrible situation in Thailand. And so they went to be involved in that, and now this was the second time a, tr a team has gone over to, to be part of that with them. Eric and Becky were there for roughly how long? almost three years, and uh, are now, now back here and, and uh, with us again, but um, obviously still have a huge place in their heart for what's happening over there. And so in terms of what happens in the future, if we have time, we'll talk about that too in a moment. But um, that's, that's what has been happening, and this team went. Uh, some of these have gone before. There are others in the room that have gone before as well to go and, and be involved with and help with the ministries that are in place over there to help with that situation. So, uh, Victoria, how about, let me ask you, um, in reference to the big God story, can you talk about how the trip to Thailand was a blessing to you and maybe something in that context? Um, as far as uh, getting prepared for Thailand, um, one of the things that was a real blessing was that I got to uh, take from Impact Church the big God story and actually um, not only teach it, um, but actually um, have the teachers teach it after we're gone. So, and What does that mean, the big God story? Okay, so the big God story is something that our children here at Impact um, have every uh, Sunday at Kids Zone. And Debbie Blackwell has actually put together this whole program, and she actually put together the program to take, for me to take to Thailand to, to go ahead and um, teach the kids and, and teach the teacher, the actual teacher that would teach them. So they were about uh, three to four years of age and just adorable. And, you know, some of these kids actually come from Buddhist families, so it's sort of like a grassroots where you've got these three- and four-year-olds actually praying. I mean, they're just adorable. They're precious. <laughs> and so, and then they were learning things through, like, the creation of God, the first God's big God story. They, we would have, like, um, we'd go outside and we'd say, God created the plants. And then we used a little puppet to show God created the animals. And then it was God created us, too. And so they were drawing themselves, and then we hung it on the wall. And uh, Trevor was great, too, at this. He, he helped during this whole, the whole big God story. So it was really great. You know, he, he relates very well to the, the kids, and he was just a big help. Oh, fantastic. Joel, um, I, I know you and, and Eric and Steve and Trevor and I, maybe the ladies were involved too. I know you were, the ladies were oftentimes doing the things you were just talking about. But anyway, a lot of the time while they were doing that, Joel and the guys were doing some building projects. Um, I enjoyed hearing some of that. Give us a summary of some of that or a highlight from that whole situation. 
Well, before I get into that, I'd kind of like to show a slide that I have lined up. This is how I felt going to Thailand. <laughs> Just take a second to read that. And uh, I, I felt like I was in way over my head. And, uh, and when I got there, uh, I realized I was. I have, I have 23 years of building experience. And when I got there, I thought, oh, man, I'll, th this will be simple. I can just move in, and, and, uh, and, and we can get some stuff done. And we were shown, well, I was shown very quickly on the first day uh, that that wasn't the case. <laughs> uh, uh, just uh, materials and, and, and uh, accessibility to, to materials that we have here that we can go to, down to the hardware or down to Lowe's or Home Depot. Uh, they have similar stores, but their products are way different. And, um, but we did some amazing stuff there. We, uh, as you can see, this is one of the big projects that we did. Uh, we put this sunshade up. Thank you. Uh, we put this sunshade up, and that was like our, our number one thing. What that does is it creates shade in the space where the, where the kids play outside, which is super important because their sun is just as intense as our sun, except you add 95% humidity and 120-degree temperatures to that in the summer, um, shade becomes a really big thing. Um, uh, all of this rainbow stuff and the color, on the out, this is the outside of the little nest, um, the little concrete animals along the bottom. Uh, those are all parts and pieces that we, that we uh, added and did to make the place, the little nest, look more inviting and more like a preschool um, because they're mostly uh, funded from missions. And, but... It's getting harder and harder to maintain their rent and things, so they need it to look more like an inviting, like you'd want to take your kids there so that they can get some people that can afford to pay for their kids to be there and stuff. So you can go ahead and let that roll. So, um, so explain that real quick. So the little nest, the, idea, the concept is, if I understand it right, certain people would pay to have their children come to this um, situation, but that the more people that pay to do so, the more that allows those in charge to give it away for free for lots of others. Is that true? Uh, yes, right? I, I, I believe so. That's correct. Yeah, okay. They're, they're a little more in the know on that part. Um, but yes, they're, 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 the ministry in, in, in a whole has grown significantly uh, over the last couple of years, and and it, it just it, it takes finances, takes support to, to run something like this. How, how many kids are there? They're licensed for twenty five. They're licensed for twenty for twenty five kids. Um, they don't have quite that many yet, um, but, uh, you know, every, everything costs money. And, and you can see uh, in that shot, if you can back up just one, um, to the, uh, yeah, oh, it's all right. Anyways, we painted a lot of stuff. We made things really pretty and enjoyable, and it, and it just, you could see it raise the, if little kids have morale, you could see it, that it raised the morale of those kids. Um, and we installed uh, the, the metal beams, which were my nemesis, um, that, that, that hold uh, up that sunshade. Uh, I won't go into all that, but I'll just say I sweat a lot over those. Um, uh, we installed a security system um, because, you know, it's, it's a great place during the day, but when it gets into the evening time, um, uh, people are out, just like other places. Um, also, security system is important in this sense because there's a lot of kids there that are coming out of uh, that are from trafficked women, and, and there may be people looking for those people. Um, so we want to make sure we can keep an eye on who's, who is walking by, who's, who's in and out of that building um, for those reasons. So. All right. Let me hand that to Steve. Steve, tell us 
Uh, I understand you had a wonderful blessing while in Thailand as well. Um, I'm not sure what your memory or story is, but I know you have one. Tell us about it. Well, you know, uh, Victoria and I are not strangers to international travel and all that, but this is our first time we've ever been to Thailand. And in Thailand, to understand their culture and all that, it's the same things that it's in the Middle East and in the East, you know, the feet are, are a big issue. The top of the head is very sacred uh, in Thailand, and uh, so you don't place your hands on, on top of their head. But we did this thing that, that uh, Eric and Becky had started when, when they were there all the time, was the washing of the feet. And this was a very moving and humbling and uh, 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 deal that we got down, each one of us got down, and, and we humbled ourselves because uh, Jesus Christ did that. So he, he, he's basically commanded that we also do the same thing. Cultural-wise, in Thailand, the feet uh, are the dirtiest things because they come in contact. Now, for us, what we're called fron, which in Thailand is foreigners. So they look at foreigners as being somewhat better than, than themselves. So they couldn't understand that when we were down looking up at them while we were washing their feet, that to look into their eyes to see that they were utterly confused, but yet at the same time they began to weep because we began to pray over them just as Christ did. And you, that became such a blessing that every one of us was, uh, sweat had nothing to do with it. It, it had tears that had a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. So we were very, very humbled and very blessed. And in turn, it became a blessing to them where they understood that we were just not coming in fixing things. We, we actually came in to develop the relationship. Now we are we're friends and we're even family with them. And that just was an utter blessing for me. Oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. Um, Danielle, I, I know, I know uh, you gave your testimony at both the classes and at the church um, here last week as part of uh, CR Sunday. Um, can you talk a little bit about sharing your story and how that, how that works in terms of how you saw God working through that to touch the lives of others and, and maybe help you grow in terms of your uh, willingness to do so and things like that? Well, you know how much I love talking in front of people. So, um, I don't, <laughs> for those of you who don't know that. But um, giving my testimony, just as Stephen had said, we are wrong. And uh, they looked at white foreigners as um, better than themselves. And um, those of you who are... Um, have accepted Christ, know that we are all the same in God's eyes. That's right. And um, so getting up and sharing my testimony in front of them was just bringing it home, um, making them realize that I'm a sinner and I fall short every day and um, God still loves me and I choose to follow him and um, give my life to him. And my past is not perfect, and it was really relatable to their their story. And it opened doors for conversation, opened their eyes um, to see a white foreigner um, who's had the similar struggles um, with self-worth. And um, so that was just an opening door from God, for sure. No hurt is wasted. A lot of this trip was 
designed around relationship. Whereas the Mexico team did something amazing in building a house and influencing people in that way and, and preparing a lot of what we did was relational. Um, and so, like what Daniel was saying, um, it really opened the door for people to, to be able to come and, and talk and break down and maybe say some of those things that they've been hiding and, or, or hurts that they hadn't maybe dealt with all the way, uh, kind of opened the door for them to be able to communicate with them. And the ladies on the trip did an amazing job at, that, at, uh, at uh, facilitating that. Hmm. Eric, in, in our, we're kind of out of time, but briefly, if you could, summarize what the ongoing future plan would look like and what do you see happening in, in Thailand? Uh, <clears throat> Becky and I have been working with the Home of the Swallow and the ministry there uh, for the past four and a half, almost five years, and we're going to continue to do that. Uh, we are living here in Colorado now. We'll be making one or two trips to Thailand each year for anywhere between 30 days and 90 days. We're going to try and make a trip in the spring. We're going to make a trip in the fall. And the intent of that trip is to continue to build that relationship with the ministry there, working with the, with the women in the program. And the main ministry is the Home of the Swallow, and they do the recovery for girls, come, for young women with children who are coming out of some sort of exploitation. It might be trafficking. It might be, you know, if the women are, are coming out of an abusive situation in a home or, or anything like that. And the program is about 18 months. So every, not every time we go there, but frequently when we go there, there's new women in the program. So even though the ladies gave these classes just this couple of months ago, the next time we go, Becky or, and or whoever else is there will be able to give the same classes because there'll be new women. So it's an ongoing ministry, and it's, and it's a, uh, as Joel was saying, the, the relationship we have with the, with the staff there uh, is is something we, can, we have developed and will continue to develop for years to come. It is an amazing opportunity and um, an experience to go and give. Uh, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And these, this team and the team that went to Mexico and others of you that are involved in giving in other ways understand what we're talking about. But um, we can never match what we've been given by the Lord. And we can never um, give enough to meet all the needs, of course, either. But where God gives us opportunity to make an impact on somebody else, to live out the name of our church and to go and impact the lives of somebody else, it is just a, a, a blessing to not only those people, but to those people up here that go on such a trip beyond what, uh, what really words can express. So I hope you can see that, understand that. I'd like to ask the worship team to come, and as they come, would everybody else thank the Thailand team for all they've done? Thank you, guys. As the, as the team comes, I'd like to ask you to stand, and we're going to close in a song together, and as we worship our Lord, I want to encourage you to to let the Holy Spirit touch your life. And if He wants to lead you to a new place, maybe in terms of how you might reach out to that person across the cul-de-sac that you've kind of not felt drawn to want to engage, or maybe it's to consider being on a mission trip like one of these. Maybe it's something else. I want to just pray as we sing that God would help us to not only hear Him, but follow through and go where He wants us to go. Lord, I thank You for opportunities to go. We know that they um, are all around us here in Teller County, but all, also obviously in places like what we're looking at today, Mexico, Thailand, other places. Lord, help us to hear your Holy Spirit, hear your voice.
If you want us to hear today and be challenged today to honor you more by giving in some way, by going somewhere, by helping someone else, Lord, would you touch our hearts, break our hearts for what breaks your heart and help us to recognize that each person in every setting, whether it be literally across the street or whether it be across the the world, every single person needs Jesus just as much as we do. So Lord, help us to be generous in that way because of how much you have been generous to us and how much we are grateful. Motivate us, lead us, guide us. As we began our service with young Becca coming and giving her life to you and being baptized, Lord, maybe there is somebody here who wants to give their life to you, to make their decision, like the young boys that I talked about at the end of the soccer game with Tony. Lord, if there be somebody that wants, needs to give their life to you, would you prompt them and help them to also step forward and just say, I don't have all the answers, but I want to take a step toward Jesus. I want to give my life to him, whatever that looks like. Lord, we present these things to you. We worship you. And it's in Jesus' name that all God's people together said, amen. Amen.